It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. That time of year is spring in the south. Consequence Podcast Network. Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tolst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. Hey, and welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with It's the Interview Series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks as always for making your way here and checking out the series. In the episode, uh, I do hope you hit that subscribe button. I put out three new interviews every single week, new and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, NPR, WFPK.org, YouTube for the video versions or anywhere you get your podcast from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with a few recent episodes have included uh, Nick Haxum from 311, Jeff Ahmet from Pearl Jam, Louise Post from Veruca Salt. I talked with uh, actor Jason Scott Lee and the cast of Outlander. Uh, Esty Hyam was on here recently. We also had country star Carly Pierce. Some of the cast from the movie Extraction 2, Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age, Dave Davies of The Kinks, Stone Gossard of Pearl Jam, The Band Inhaler, and so much more. That's just a few of the uh, recent episodes that you can find on the uh, Kyle Meredith with podcast. That's me, Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest, Lucinda Williams. It's always great to have her on the show, uh, and it's great to have her back with a brand new album called Stories from a Rock and Roll Hearts. Uh, which we're going to be getting into. Uh, she'll discuss uh, how the collection's born out of, let's see, surviving a tornado and the pandemic and having a stroke, uh, and reflect on her musical journey, like uh, her deep rooted connection to Bob Dylan's Highway 61 Revisited and the really profound impact of the late Tom Petty that had on her uh, her life and career. Now, the album itself, it's a guest-heavy record, and it includes a collaboration with Bruce Springsteen, so we're definitely going to get into that. It's also got a song inspired by The Outsiders, and there's so much more in this. And it's such a fun conversation, so let's jump right into it. We're talking about stories from a rock and roll hearts. It's Kyle Meredith with Lucinda Williams. Hi. It's great to see you, and with so much going on, there's a, a brand new album, Stories from a Rock and Roll Hearts. You've got the biography, Don't Tell Anybody the Secrets I Told You. Does it feel like this is all happening all? I mean, it is happening all at once. Does it feel a little bit more elevated than usual? Yes, definitely. Yeah. I've been doing a lot of press lately, you know, with the two different things coming out. So I've been doing a, a string of Zoom interviews this week <laughs> with quite a few European ones. Well, it's the convenience of Zoom. I mean, uh, you don't even have to travel for the interviews. Yeah. I mean, I like it. I like the Zoom thing. So, you know, maybe some people might not, but it's just so convenient. 
I don't have to get all fixed up that much, you know. <laughs> well, it's it is great to have you in this virtual space, and and Thank and, and you. with yeah, with both of these projects. I, maybe the obvious place to start, you know, uh, first off, I love this record. It's so much fun thank to listen you. to. Yeah. And the songs are so great. Wow. Did, thank you. Did the, did, does the record come sort of spawned from doing the biography? Because I mean, it, it feels like a concept album in that way. Does one follow the other in that sense? Um, that's interesting that you were, that you saw it like that. Um, it wasn't intentional. But I think it's a good thing to have them kind of connected in that way. But, you know, the I think it was just a coincidence that if you mean the songs are kind of connected to the. I mean, because it seems very bio, biographical. I mean, yeah, with the way the record sort of looks back at at this lifestyle and career choice that you've done. Right. Well, I think the the, the thread running through the album to me, it seems like, you know, it's kind of about surviving and, um, you know, being a warrior, which is what I've been going through. And a lot of us have, you know, because of the, well, here's what we had going on. The, I'm trying to remember the order, but it was, it was almost biblical, you know, because there was a, we had a tornado come through Nashville and the pandemic, and I had my stroke. So that was a lot. <laughs> and you got to be a warrior if you're going to come out the other side of that and still. Yeah. But, it, you know, it, it's interesting. So even if they're not uh, intentionally kind of created in that way, the way that the record does play out, because the way these songs seem to, to tell more of the story, uh, not just of being a survivor, but but of what rock and roll means to you and 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 the choice of 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 this career path I, and i don't know let's let me see hopefully this isn't too heady of a question but i'm gonna try this anyway <laughs> but, oh, but what, try me. <laughs> yeah but you know as you look back in the book with these songs what has it meant to choose the you know the, this path as as the rock and roll because this is a this this isn't made for the for everybody it's not for the what do they say the week of heart right yeah you mean rock and roll as opposed to other styles? Yeah, I mean, not other styles, but other jobs. I mean, you chose to be a, a musician, you know, and this feels like, I mean, do you have that, do you have that moment to look back and say, this is what it means that I've done this? Yeah. Um, you know, when you're in it doing it, you're not thinking about all that consciously necessarily all the time, you know, but when someone asks, like you're asking me right now, you mean what it was your question directed at? Do I ever think ask myself why I decided to do this? Or it, it's not that do you ever ask yourself, but now that we're here, you know, now that now that you're you you've had this time of reflection, you know, I guess I'm asking specifically, what has it meant to be a, a musician for your whole life? Because you could have chosen other paths. I mean, do you ever think about you know, with the sliding door scenario, if it had gone another way? Sometimes, yeah. But I don't know, you know, I've often thought that if I had, if I wasn't able to play music and write songs and do what I do, that I don't know, I don't know what I would have done because I didn't have any other training. You know, I mean, I don't have any other skills, really. <laughs> I never learned to type. 
like when I was trying to get day jobs when I first started playing music and stuff, you know, that was hard because I I wasn't able to get just any job, you know, other than working in an office, answering the phone or filing or something because I couldn't type. So, well, typing seems to be something that it comes in pretty handy, you know, when you're looking for certain jobs. Although nowadays everything you can do voice activated too. So that even type typing eventually would go the way of like cursive writing, you know, that's gonna. Yeah. Right. So I, I guess when I hear like, I'm, you know, it's always the way you mean for a song versus the way your audience or a listener will hear the song because, because that is, so that is how I hear this record. I hear this record in the context of, you know, I mean, it's called Stories from a Rock and Roll Hearts. It sort of says it right there. But then you have tracks like Last Call for the Truth or Jukebox. And to me, that paints the other side. Like, you can be a career musician, but be prepared. Be prepared for the loneliness. Yeah. I mean, it's just you're still a regular person doing regular things. It's kind of funny. I've been, as I've been singing... A lot of doing the shows we've been doing, I've been performing the new songs more. And I told my audience a couple of times, I said, I realized as I was doing more of the new songs, there are a lot of drinking songs on this album, <laughs> you know. And I told my audience that recently, and I said, well, and then I said, if George Jones can do it, I guess I can too, you know. <laughs> but yeah. And that was just kind of a coincidence, but I was kind of worried at first. I didn't want people to think I was some kind of a, a sot, you know, <laughs> hanging out in bars all the time. But I do like bars. I just, I like being in like a good old cool bar, you know, there's nothing like a good bar with a good jukebox, you know. Yeah, that's how it is. <laughs> I just feel comfortable in them, I guess. Was the, um, uh, the movie Almost Famous, um, if you remember that one, where a uh, Cameron Crowe movie, Kate Hudson says, you know, and whenever you get lonely, you just head to the record store and hang out with all of your friends. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's sort of, it's a similar thing, definitely. To just grab that jukebox, because you can't be with your friends. And I know that's um, that's how I connect. I mean, I lost, I had a flood, my house flooded years back, and I lost a huge chunk of my music collection. And someone was said, well, that was, you know, you can stream it. And I said, no, I feel like I lost my friend. I feel like my friends actually died in that flood. It's not, yeah, streaming is, is not the same thing. Yeah, you don't have that, the physical thing of holding an album. Yeah, it's not the same, quite the same thing, so. No, so I, I get that with the bars and with the jukebox. And we'll be right back, right after this. Shout out to uh, Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Uh, I, I live in Kentucky, in the Midwest, and allergies, yeah, I suffer. When I say I suffer from allergies, I suffer from allergies. And around here, everyone I know deals with allergies to some degree. And for a long time, I thought it was just something that I would have to live with, which is a real problem um, for anything, but especially when you're a radio host. It affects my voice, it affects my mood, it affects everything. And I feel like I've tried every, I've tried all the medicines. Some of them 
work better than others, but there's there's never a perfect one out there, especially because some of them take forever to actually work and some of them don't work at all. And then there's Astapro, the fastest solution to nasal allergy symptoms. It's what I use now and it's definitely changed my life. Astapro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Uh, Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. With all the pollen in the air, with all the dust around the, the corners of the house, uh, even with uh, the allergies I have from my dog, Astapro has been the nasal spray that has helped me with all of my allergies. And it can help you to get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with Lucinda Williams. So it's probably, you know, been asked before, but, you know, when, when you look back and, and thinking about, you know, the artist that might be on your dream jukebox, like, who was the artist that started it for you? What, was it Dylan? Yeah, it, it, well, I have to say Dylan because, well, I was, I was 12 years old only, you know, in 1965. And, you know, my dad was teaching creative writing and, He's published a few books of poetry. And a student of my dad's came over to the house. I was fortunate because I was able to get, you know, acquainted with a lot of the music that my dad's students were listening to that maybe I wouldn't have been exposed to otherwise. You know, they would have been like in their 20s and early 30s. So, you know... They would come over to the house to hang out with my dad, and they would. This one guy brought over a copy of Highway Six and Remember Visited one day, and it had just come out. He came and see. This is what used to happen when a great new album would come out. People would get excited and talk about it, and you would get together with your friends, and it was like a ritual almost. You know, you'd listen to the album with people. Like when a new Beatles album came out, it was this huge deal. And we would all get together at someone's house and just sit and listen to it, you know, and, and, and then afterwards talk about it or whatever. It's like a celebration. So this guy came over to the house to visit with my dad and he walks in the door and he goes, this is the new Bob Dylan album. It was Highway 61 Revisited. And I'd never even heard Bob Dylan up to that point. And he went in to visit with my dad in another room and I grabbed the album and put it on the stereo and listened to it. And my little 12-year-old mind was blown. And I wasn't sure what all the songs were about, but it didn't matter because I just there was something about the sound that just pulled me in. Not to mention the album cover. You know, the photograph of Bob Dylan on that album. Just I was mesmerized. I was in love. I was it, you know, I was bit by the Bob Dylan bug, 
you know, and from that moment on, you know, that I discovered Joan Baez and Leonard Cohen and all these other folk artists. That was what was going on at that time. And then later, the doors and, you know, the stones and cream and and it all just, you know, just took over. And eventually, I mean, you get to start meeting some of these heroes too, you know, as 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 you become a musician. Did you find then that, like, so if Dylan was the artist that sort of ignited it, did you end up having someone that gave you guidance? Like, did you have that artist? Well, I had, oh, I don't know if it was any, that was anyone in particular, but I just, I spent most of my time in the beginning just listening to record albums, listening to different artists and I think I just, you know, just by osmosis or something, you know, learned over time about different things. Reading, you know, there were some great, uh, there were some great music magazines back then. And just doing a lot of reading and listening. I wasn't able to meet any of those people yet until I started performing and getting more well-known, you know. And then um, I was fortunate enough to have been able to go, do some shows with Bob Dylan and this would have been I guess in the 80s maybe Bob Dylan and Van Morrison opened some shows for them and then later Tom Petty I learned a lot from Tom Petty just watching him and I was able to get to know him a little bit more you know and I still get I still have a hard time talking about him I've got a uh I can't see it from the camera. I've got autographed mud crutch picture right next. Like he was, I mean, those names that you're, you're talking about Tom and, and all of them. I mean, you know, they created the greatest music of all time. Uh, yeah. And to be able to learn at their feet. I mean, I can't even imagine. Well, I mean, yeah, I think I just, there was something about Tom Petty and his music, not just his music, but him, you know, that, I really connected with and related to and we're both from the South and it was weird. I was working on a song one day and I realized I was writing a song that Tom Petty had already written, you know. <laughs> Which one was it? That happens sometimes. Um, I think it was one of his songs about going down South and, and I don't know, it might have been Gainesville, maybe, or it was something, it was the melody from that song, I think. It's got to be a tricky thing and for then, a songwriter when you know so is. much music, you know. Yeah, and sometimes it just kind of leaks it through, you know, without you realizing it. But usually, it usually just comes out, for me, it usually is just more of an influence and, or inspiration, but every so often I'll think of a melody I think it's my melody. And then I realized, oh, no, I can't use this. This is, you know, whoever's melody, you know. Although I would think with 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 Tom, I mean, because we know Tom was also a big fan of your songwriting uh, from covering Change the Locks on the She's the One soundtrack. And like, I, I feel like you could get away with, you know, kind of borrowing some of that, you know, melody. I think I think I think that's fine. As long as it's not exactly the same. Sure, but I, I don't. I don't think he he would have been mad at you anyway. It's uh... no, he wouldn't have been mad. <laughs> <laughs> he would have just sued my ass, probably. 
No, Tom was just so sweet. He's just such a down to earth, you know, like this is an example of the kind of person he was when I first went out to open shows for him. You know, he it seems to me like he never forgot where he came from and what he came from and what it was like before he was famous, you know. And, you know, each night I would go out on stage and his audience was, they were great. They, they were pretty receptive for the most part. But sometimes some of the ones on the front row would kind of be, you know, they'd be kind of, the vibe was generally like, where's Tom, you know? We don't know who this girl is. We want to see Tom Petty. And I think somebody even threw a banana peel on stage one night or something. And I mean, his fans were just insanely fanatic about Tom Petty. And, you know, some of them were dressing like he did with the, you know, the top hat and the cool jackets and stuff. They show up at the concerts looking like Tom Petty almost, you know. And then so one night, Tom, he picked up on what was going on, you know, that some of his fans weren't paying enough attention to me and they were talking too much or whatever, you know. And he came, one night I went out on stage to, to get ready to start my set. And Tom walked out, he followed me on stage, went up to the microphone and said, hey people, I want you to pay attention to this next artist because she's real good. And y'all pay attention and everything. And, you know, his fans are out there like, oh my God, Tom Petty's on stage introducing this artist. And then Tom walked backstage again. And, you know, that's what he did. He did that for me. A beautiful endorsement, me. right? Yeah. You know, and but that's the kind of person he was. You know, it makes me want to cry almost. And then... I, my band and I played, opened up for him at his very last show at the Hollywood Bowl in LA. And I have a great photograph that somebody took of Tom and me backstage with our arms around each other. He's smiling and it's, yeah, that photograph is a treasure to me. Yeah. And as was the music. I have no doubt as I'm sitting here thinking about it and thinking about the guest list that that's also on this album of yours that if he would have been around tom would have probably been on this record as well oh god yeah and we'll be right back right after this welcome back it's kyle meredith with lucinda williams you know as we talk about those artists because you do have a lot of guests on here is that just something that came naturally that that you said this is going to be a guest record um, well, I didn't say that ahead of time, but I, I've always enjoyed having people, having guest artists come in and do stuff on my records. You know, I just think it adds more color to it. I think it makes it, makes it more interesting. I've just always enjoyed doing that. And, you know, a lot, a lot of course, a lot of times it has to do with the logistics of whether somebody's actually in that town who we're recording or you know, getting them there, getting in touch with them and if they're available and all that. But, you know, and I've been a guest on so many other artists' albums, so I like to kind of repay the favor, you know. And Angela Olsen was 
really good on this. You know, she came and did some background vocals and just, it was, it was real spontaneous, you know. I didn't tell her what to sing or anything. And, you know, she just ad-libbed and just did her thing. And it was real subtle, you know, but it really helps the song. And it's at the very, very end of the song, she does this kind of, kind of just humming thing. But it's great, it's just beautiful. It just really just nails it and just, to me, just really captures the essence of the song. Angel and and Margot. I mean, Margot is great. They, yeah. She and her Margot and her husband both came in. Yeah, I love what they do, and of course, and of course, there's Bruce. Yeah. We cannot pass up because Bruce makes a, a few cameos here. So you know, as we talk about Tom and we talk about Bob, what's your Bruce story? Where does he come into the equation of your rock and roll life? So my husband Tom was always a big Bruce Springsteen fan. We started working on songs together, actually. And this other friend of ours, Jesse Mallon. Mm-hmm. I know Jesse. He's based uh, in New York. Yeah. Yeah, the mayor of St. Mark's. That's a- yes, <laughs> yes. You know, yeah. Well, Jesse got a hold of Bruce. He's the one, which is no surprise if you know Jesse Mallon, you know, because he knows everybody, you know. But that's funny you said the mayor of St. Mark's place because. That's what I've been telling people when I do interviews. I've been talking about the co-writing thing with the songs, and they all want to know how I got a hold of Bruce Springsteen. And I tell, I'll tell them all, Jesse Mallon, and he's the unofficial mayor of the of the Lower East Side. Yes, know? he is absolutely. And but anyway, we were just kind of all fantasizing about you know our dream guest artist on the album, and and Tom Overby mentioned Bruce on these, a couple of these songs. And Jesse said, well, I can probably get a hold of him. I can get a hold of his people, you know, and and lo and behold, he did. And Bruce said yes. And his wife, Patty, Bruce and Patty both. And they weren't able to get the studio with us at the same time, but we sent them the tracks and they went into their studio where they live in New Jersey. And, did these vocals and they're great. I mean, every time I'm still excited about it. Every time I hear the song with when Bruce's voice comes out, it just I'm just like a little fanatical kid. I'm just, oh my God, listen to it. He's so <laughs> sweet too. You you sound great together. I know we sound great together. That my brain is already tick, tick, tick. I'm thinking future projects, you know. Who knows? But anyway, and I when you hear him singing on this song, I really feel like he got into the songs. Like he's singing his what he does on New York Comeback. It sounds like a song for him. Yeah, I could have you all do quite a bit more. I, I mean, as a fan, I would love to hear yeah. more of this, more of this friendship blossom. That's what I need. Yeah. <laughs> the uh the song um Rock and Roll Hearts when I heard it and especially when I started thinking of Jesse and New York and the Ramones, because I heard the Ramones in that track right there. And it didn't help that you actually say the word outsider because they have you know, a song called outsider and you just use that one word. Oh, God. 
But was that not part of it? Because I started thinking like, there's is this a little send up to the Ramones? Because I love this. I don't no. mean it sounds like you ripped the Ramones, by the way. I just feel like a tribute kind of I'm thing. I'm glad to know that. No, I wasn't aware of it. I didn't know that about their song. But what is it, The Outsiders? Well, they have a song called Outsider. It's not that you quoted it. You just used the word outsider. And it, I thought, oh, there's even a little bit more. It just kind of leans. And now, now what I think is you all are drawing from the same well is what it is. Yes, we're kind of drawing from the same well and and we also had well this is it's kind of funny we had just been in Austin Texas and Travis Stevens who's a friend and our tour manager he had met and become friends with um C. Thomas Howell who was one of the actors in the movie The Outsiders so we invited him out and we had dinner with him and everything so now we're all all about you know i've got to see the movie because i still hadn't seen it and read the book and i did that so now we're all about the outsiders it's on everybody's minds because we've met this actor and we've seen the movie and you know which is of course great and riveting really you know and so that song started forming that's been in my world because he was just here because he, he was he's been touring see thomas Howe, and he was just here in town as well and i had rob lowe on the series not long ago who was also in the movies that's wow you yeah. talking about this song and that's it's like man this the outsider has been in my world already this right? year that's crazy yeah it is and it's a great concept for a song you know it's a great idea because it hasn't died really you know since the formation of that of the story and the movie and all of that you know is still relevant today i i think those moments i also enjoy on this record like uh, this is not my city uh speaking of poignant moments I, I'll, I'll just go more directly on this one what are you singing about in that song <laughs> sorry don't come across i feel like i failed not at all. I just, I don't want to put words in your mouth. That's yeah, all. I know. I get it. I'm sorry. Um, Well, it's just that, again, it's sort of that feeling of being an outsider in a way. You know, there's so many, you could, it's, you could interpret it different ways, but that's one that was a collaborative effort between Tom and Jesse and me. So I think initially Tom Lonerby Tom came up with the idea of it. And we were talking about, you know, the political arena. There's that. And this feeling like you're constantly, it's constant uphill battle, you know, that we've been fighting against. And um, it's not really about that you just, you necessarily don't like the town we're in, but it's just more about, you know, I can't relate, you know, to what's going on. And, or, you know, this person is out there representing the entire country and he's not representing me, though. As uh, we, as I say, living in Kentucky and Tennessee, like I get, I get exactly what you're getting at yes. right there. Yeah. Yeah. You do deal with this. So you feel like you're not being represented or you're being misrepresented. Again, the outsider thing that kind of connects with that, too. I love the levels that that sort of comes back in. I mean, just 
from the political side from even just you know as we talk about rock and roll and how it started you know if you if you were an outsider if you're rock and roll you were an outsider you know that was just part of the game i mean that's yeah I mean, stories from a rock and roll heart is stories from being an outsider. All right, it's, it's about being misunderstood and misrepresented, and and most kids feel that way in general. You know, most teenagers feel that way, and we all went through that as teenagers. And music for me was definitely a salvation of sorts. You know, so that's a lot about that's really the main thread running through the album, I think. You know, it's finding that music so. to kind of take salvation in. Yeah. And yeah. then there's let's get the band back together, which mm -hmm. is which is really about not necessarily getting the band back together, but people you've got been out of touch with for a long time. And remember that song that Neil Young wrote about I'm gonna write a long letter to all my friends, you know. Right, yeah. Just again feeling disconnected from people you were close to before and you haven't seen them in so long and you know how life gets in the way you know and that's what the song talks about is you know we we would see each other sometimes at weddings and funerals and that sort of thing you know it's a hell of an album it really is thanks uh, and, and stolen moments i didn't bring up that that's Stolen Moments feels like an instant classic, like right away. Like, you know those songs. You know those songs that you're going like, I'm going to be listening to that song 20 years from now, and I'm still going to feel the same way. Wow. Well, that ended up being an ode to Tom Petty, because I was thinking about him a lot after his death, of trying to deal with his death, you know. Again, you know, it can be interpreted different ways. I like the songs to be able to be interpreted different ways for people. You know, everybody can, it can be something different for each person maybe, you know, because it doesn't have to be about Tom Petty, but it's just, it's mainly just about those feelings you get after you lose someone like that, you know, they pass away and then kind of feel their presence though, sometimes and that kind of thing, you know. Well, it's absolutely yeah. great and Thanks. It just dawned on me too, um, and I mean this, uh, but in the coincidence of our conversation, two of my favorite rock songs of all time are Tom Petty's "Honey Bee" and "Your Honey Bee." <laughs> really, I didn't know he. I didn't realize he had one called "Honey Bee." Uh, that was on the uh, the Big Ninety Four record with uh, "You Wreck Me" and and yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It wasn't. It was more one of his more obscure ones, I guess. Yeah, it was an obscure track on the record, but it's a great rock song. And um, uh, there's your homework. Go listen to Tom Petty's Honey Bee. I'm going, I'm going to look for it. As soon as we get down, I'm going to go look for that song. It's so good. Uh, Lucinda, I always have such a great time talking to you. Thank you Thanks. so much for taking Me the time. Too. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And, I, and I'll say the, uh, the book, Don't Tell Anybody the Secrets I Told You, and this album, Stories from a Rock and Roll Heart. Um, I'm such a fan. And thank you so much. Thank you. The book, I was going to say, the book made is got to number five on the New York Times bestseller list. So we just need to pump it up five more. Make uh -huh. that sucker number one. No, but that's awesome. Congratulations. That's that. I mean, you've got a top 10 New York bestseller. That's amazing. Yay. <laughs> <laughs>
what do I do now? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, there's always part two. You know what? We're still waiting for Bob Dylan's Chronicles part two. So, you know, you, you're... Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we'll ever get that one either. Well, all right. Well, it was a pleasure talking to you. And, uh, and hopefully we'll you see too. you around sometime soon. Take care. You too. And my thanks to Lucinda Williams. The new album is called Stories from a Rock and Roll Hearts. It's also got that biography out as well. And if you dig further into this podcast, you can find some of our earlier conversations. We've had a, a few throughout the years. In fact, I talked about a lot of our uh, legendary records. That's uh, deeper into the uh, Kyle Meredith with podcast. Just search Kyle Meredith with Lucinda Williams, of course. Thanks to you for checking out this episode. Please do hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with all the interviews that I put out every single week. Again, it's a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at all the usual places. That includes Spotify and Apple Podcast at NPR, WFPK.org, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcast from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. And after that, head over to WFPK.org. You see, that's where I do a show Monday through Friday starting at 6 p.m. Eastern. Play lots of classic favorite songs. We, uh, of course, have lots of new songs. Uh, there's music news. There's anniversary spins and bonus interviews. A, uh, a recent episode I did included the music of Radiohead and Pimback, Mark Ronson, Case Choice, Grantley Buffalo, Urge Overkill, Clem Snide, Fountains of Wayne, The Palace Brothers, Gillian Welch, Dwight Yoakam, The Kinks, Aerosmith, Stevie Nicks, Annie Lennox. That's just an example of a recent show. Again, every weekday at 6 p.m. at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the old social media spots, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all three of them. The address is at Kyle Meredith. So I do hope you like and follow along. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. I like Louisville. It seems like a nice town. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media.